In confusion and uncertainty, there emerges a guiding light, a beacon that cuts through the darkness. Welcome to Beacon of Truth with your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Beacon of Truth. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, and uh, this is a great day. It's Fat Tuesday, the day before we start our big penitential season of Lent. So today's a day of rejoicing and celebration, and please do so responsibly, <laughs> all right? Uh, yes, I'm still here in uh, Waco, Texas at St. Jerome's Parish. It's my last night here for the mission. Had a busy day today. Um, got up early this morning to speak to a men's group. Uh, about uh, Well, several men's groups gathered together uh, since I was here. A lot of them are... Um, part of that man is you and I've done several videos for them and so they came together and so I gave a little talk this morning preparing men for Lent uh well I talked took the prodigal son parable and kind of talked about how we can use that parable to prepare ourselves for the best Lent ever uh so that was wonderful then I did a radio interview I have um uh speaking at a dinner coming up in uh Duluth Minnesota next month and so they wanted me to talk about uh, not just the dinner, but it was kind of a pro-life day today. So I talked about um, pro-life evangelization and that was fun. And then I spoke at a, a high school, a Riker Catholic High School um, in, in Waco and uh, had a wonderful time with the, with the students there. You know, it's just uh, so good when you see Catholic schools actually being Catholic, <laughs> you know, and, and not shying away from their Catholic identity. It's a beautiful thing to see. And, um, so I spoke to the kids today about meeting Jesus and the beauty and truth of the Catholic faith, um, how we truly encounter our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, and the difference that that encounter makes in our lives. To try to get these young people to a point where right now, while they're still in high school, that they're thinking and acting and living from a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And I talked about how you do that in the midst of family turmoil, because uh, a lot of these kids have things going on in their homes. You don't know what a lot of teachers don't know what's going on. You know, I mean, that was definitely my case. You know, so I shared some of those experiences with them. Um, we talked about the power of the Eucharist, we talked the power, the power of silence and adoration, encourage them to listen to God's voice. You may be calling them to vocation, to the priesthood of religious life. How do you listen to God's voice speaking to you? How do you have the courage to stand up? to uh, all the nonsense in our culture today. So it was, a, it was a really, really good conversation and some really great questions during the Q&A session. So it was uh, really, really blessed. And so uh, after the show, I'm going to be preaching uh, at Mass, 530 Mass, uh, and then followed by the last night of the mission, and it's off to my next location. So, uh, so uh, I just want to say a quick thank you to the folks here at St. Jerome, Father James, who's a wonderful father to the parish family uh, here at St. Jerome. Mary, uh, who is uh, absolutely fantastic, helping to coordinate everything and and uh, extremely well-organized effort here by the parish. And Mary also communicated with my team to get me here. So I want to thank her and Rita, who else? Lewis and Mark and um, Angela, who's fantastic uh, as the... Um, uh, uh, and and D Darlene and Betsy and Whitney 
And um, oh, what's the cowboy guy? Oh, Carl London, the the facilities guy who made sure that we had a room and that the uh, internet worked great, you know, so we could have a great show. And just, I mean, just everyone here has just been so incredibly uh, wonderful and awesome. So thank you so much to St. Jerome's family for making me feel welcome and uh, giving me space to be able to to do the show while I'm traveling, uh, which is awesome. So today's topic, biblical manhood. Yes. Uh, the original topic was masculine spirituality, but that's so huge. You know, that's such a, that's such a big topic. So I decided to break it down and talk about biblical manhood. Um, if you want the full book, I did write a book called Behold the Man, A Catholic Vision of Male Spirituality, which is available at the EWTN Religious Catalog. And I have a television series, my very first one, as a matter of fact, on EWTN, also called Behold the Man. Um, and that's available on On Demand. In fact, I saw it there just today. <laughs> uh, EW10 On Demand. You can just click on there. You can watch the entire series, uh, Behold the Man, as well. So if you want to be part of the conversation today on biblical manhood, give us a call. 833-288-3986. Or you can email us, beacon at EWTN.com. And uh, you know we have our crack staff uh, ready to go as always. Our social media expert Charles Beery and our call screener Matt Gabinski and the producer Ace. And Ace, I noticed you're wearing your beads today, man. I, I'm feeling festive, like I'm you know trying to you know bring the party. You know it's, what what do they say? It's not uh, how much how many people are in your party, it's how much party's in your people. So that's kind of <laughs> what it's kind of what I'm going by today. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, I know you're um. Anglican. Are there any particular Anglican traditions that are happening today? Do you, you guys do Ash Wednesday? Yeah, right? every, everything's pretty much calendar, the same. Right? Yeah, everything's yeah, okay. pretty much the same. So, uh, and and my wife and I, our anniversary and Valentine's are always on the same every year. So the fact that Lent starts as well, we went ahead and celebrated last night. So tonight will kind of be a chill as we get into uh, new routines, new habits, and and one of the things that's interesting, I love that you were challenging teens last night because I found myself over the weekend gravitating to music that I listened to as a teen. So. A lot of the uh, Christian contemporary scenes, so like Petra, Blood Good, Striper. And so like Sunday Sunday and Monday, I was like pretty much listening to nothing but the stuff I was listening to when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And to not only understand really just how deep it was lyrically that just kind of went over my head. It was just a catchy phrase, right, or a rock and drum beat or whatever. But the growth of... As I've gotten to understand God's word better, how much those songs are still so relevant, like production quality might be a little in question, but inside of that, they're still great songs. Like if you're looking for new routines or or anthems to kind of champion you through Lent, some of those early contemporary gospel hymns, like or not hymns, but songs by those bands that were really cutting edge and almost seen as controversial or were controversial by the church in a lot of ways— but um, it, it was, it's been like a really good few days just to kind of be back into that. And what does that mean 40 days from now? Like, I want to continue that over the next 40 to see what is it that God wants to say through songs that I've been listening to my whole life, but now they make sense. Yeah, t- totally get that. Um, you know, and let's talk about, you talk about the 40 days. Let's talk about that for a second, the number 40. That just shows up a lot in the Bible, mm. right? 40 days and 40 nights in the ark. 
uh, uh, Israel wandering 40 years in the desert. Moses getting the Ten Commandments on Sinai for 40 days, right, twice. Yeah. Uh, Jesus, before he starts his public ministry, 40 days. Uh, when uh, uh, Jonah walking in Nineveh is 40 days. So a 40 shows up a lot. And 40 is the num- for the Israelites is the number of gestational weeks in a pregnancy. And 40 represents a time of trial, testing, and waiting. Mm. Because after 40 days, weeks, years... God is going to do something. Mm. God is going to do something. So as we enter, get ready to enter into this season of Lent, enter into these 40 days of trial, right? Mm -hmm. Testing, waiting, sacrifice, reconciliation, um, opening our hearts to receive God's incredible divine mercy. Um, You know, let's let's, um, enter into this space with a heart that's geared to, to being completely vulnerable, yeah. Before the Lord so that we can our hearts be open to receive everything God wants to give us this Lent. Maybe we have a clearer vision of where we're going in our life. You know, we'll have more confidence and trust in God. Um, you know, fasting from food or fasting from other things that we enjoy, the thing that we give up mm-hmm. uh, every year during during Lent. Those things are intended to to purify us. Right to to uh, to let go of the material things to to show us that what we're really longing, hungering, thirsting, desiring, is a deep and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's really what Lent should be about. So what we read, what we listen to, at least for these next forty days, um, should should be things primarily that foster and nurture that intimacy with the Lord, divine vulnerability, mm-hmm. <laughs> as I call it, yep. you know? Um, so let's, let's, you know, enter the season with, um, w- with that really on our minds and in our hearts, you know, how can we get cl- even closer to Christ these 40 days? And hopefully what will happen is we'll build habits that will carry forward even past mm. uh, Lent when Lent is over. Um, that we, we develop habits that's going to continue in our life for the rest of our life. You know, because th- we're just on a pilgrimage here. You know, I, I've said this before. That we're, this is pilgrimage. We're on a journey. This is not our home. Amen. Uh, we're on this pilgrimage heading to our home. And so let's continue the journey together, my friends. Today's topic is biblical manhood. And uh, we'd love for you to join us. Just give us a call. 833-288-3986. I'm your host, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers. And again, best bumper music in all of radio. Forget <laughs> Catholic radio, all of radio. That's right. We have the best bumper music ever. <laughs> Today's topic is biblical manhood. Love you to join the conversation. Give us a call, 833-288-3986. Or email us, beacon at EWTN. Com. And today, of course, is Fat Tuesday. Tomorrow we enter into the penitential season of Lent. And so uh, we hope that uh, you're enjoying yourself this evening. Have a great time. And then uh, get ready for the best 
Lent ever. That's right. Of course, one of the ways you can do that is to get to know the saints better over the next 40 days. And a way you can do that is with our saints online. Just go to EWTN.com slash Catholicism so you can find out uh, examples of ways that the saints can not only help you during this Lenten season, but also ways for you to get closer and have those prayer warriors, those allies with you uh, through Lent as we prepare for Easter. So again, EWTN.com, click on Catholicism. When you hear that music, that can only mean one thing. It is time to break open God's Word in the Psalms. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny. This, this show's only been on for a little over a week. And uh, the, the, a lot of comments I'm getting back from people, they love this section of the show about the Psalms. You know, they said that with the, with the, with the uh, other show, Morning Glory, and, and uh, where I just lightly touched on it, so I wanted to expand it. And I'm getting a lot of good... Uh, feedback from people on, on this section of the psalm. So I'm grateful for that. So because today's topic is biblical manhood, I thought we'd look at Psalm 112. So again, I'm using the revised Grail Psalms, which is the psalms that have been proved by the U.S. bishops for use in mass. So these, this this translation of the psalm, again, which I like, is it's much a little more faithful to the Hebrew. Um, uh, and uh, But whatever Bible you have, whatever version of the Psalms, it's fine. You know, as long, as long as you're praying the Psalms and entering into it, it's cool. So Psalm 112. So Psalm 112 is in, um, so book, uh, book five of the Psalms, uh, which is uh, the last book. The remember, it's broken into five books. This is in book five. In Psalm 112, there's no prescript, so there's no attribution to this particular Psalm. But it starts off, Alleluia, you know, which we'll have to stop saying tomorrow. <laughs> you know, so uh, he goes, one of the last times we were able to say Alleluia. Uh, and so, by the way, if, if I'm doing Psalms during Lent and it starts off with Alleluia, I'm going to skip that verse. Just, you know, just enter into the spirit of Lent. There's no Gloria, there's no Alleluia, so I'm going to stay in that spirit. But Psalm 112 starts off, Alleluia. Blessed the man who fears the Lord. Again, the word there in Hebrew is yare, which means honor, reverence, and respect. So blessed the man who honors, reverence, respects, fears the Lord, who takes great delight in his commandments. See, one of the things I told the kids today is that the, I think the big problem when we teach young people the faith, it's, it's typically don'ts. Don't have sex. Don't drink alcohol. Don't do drugs. Don't, don't look at porn. Don't, 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 don't. So in their minds, we, we teach it that way. It's a bunch of rules and regulations and moral codes. My parents are already telling me what I can't do and all this kind of stuff. You know, it, it, it should be rather, what does God's love free you to do? What does God's love free you to become? You know, because it's freedom in God's will that allows you to become the person who God created you to be. That's, and here, it takes great delight in God's commandments. Why? Because God's commandments are always going to lead us to become the person who he created us to be. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what God's love frees you to do. So we should take great delight in God's commandments. Right? Not telling us what to do, but cooperating with that grace so we can live our life to its fullest and most complete potential. His descendants 
shall be powerful on earth. So this message is not just for us. This is something we must pass down to our children. And and look, this was something that didn't happen. Let's be honest. Didn't happen um, uh, very well, you know, in in, in the 70s or early 80s. You know, a lot of parents didn't pass on that to, to their kids. Um, you know, because they didn't have, really have it themselves. I mean, in my generation, you know, it was kind of like 70s, early 80s. And, you know, um, and we, quite frankly, didn't have a lot to pass on to our kids. Uh, but if we live our, our lived witness and example is more powerful than any words that we can say anyway. And, and so if we love the Lord uh, and take delight in his commandments, our descendants will be powerful on earth, not power in a sense of political power or money or those kinds of things, but powerful in God's grace, powerful in God's mercy. The generation of the upright will be blessed. See, the generation of the upright. So again, this is something that we're going to pass along to future generations, almost like a spiritual inheritance. You know, if, if you have some money, finances, house, whatever, you pass that on to the next generation. What this psalm is saying that we should be passing on our delight in following God's will, uniting ourselves with God's will, and the joy that comes with living in the heart of God. That's something that should be passed down to the generations. Um, And they will be blessed because of our witness and our example of showing them how to cooperate with God's divine will in their life. And now, riches and wealth are in his house. His justice stands firm forever. Okay, riches and wealth are in his house, not necessarily material riches and wealth, because quite frankly, that's not going to make you happy. In fact, that's what I'm talking about tonight uh, in the last talk of the mission here in Waco. Um, Riches and wealth are in his house. Again, not necessarily physical riches, but rich in God's love and God's mercy. His justice stands firm forever. So even if injustices are done to us uh, by the culture, you know, we're deplatformed, um, we're canceled, um, we're demonetized. Uh, whatever the culture does says doesn't matter because we are standing in God's justice and that will stand firm forever. A light rises in the darkness for the upright. He is generous, merciful, and just. Why? He, the just man is taking on the attributions of God himself, generosity, mercifulness, justice. Then he becomes a light. Jesus, remember, Jesus uh, kind of alludes to this psalm when he says, don't put your light under a bushel basket. No one can see it. Put your light up on a hill so that when people see the good works that you do, mm. they give honor to glory and praise to God. You know, Deacon, as you talk about that legacy, you know, I'm, I know for me and myself, and I think for a lot of us, we know or don't know of the legacy of prayers that came for us before we were ever born. And the, and the generational, like, you know, my, I mean, faith is deeply rooted in my family and goes back to, you know, great and great, great grandmothers that were praying for me and praying for my mom and, you know, and all of those that, you know, that our lives would be dedicated to following Christ. And that's the part that I love that no matter what my children do or my grandchildren or great grandchildren, I can pray for them now and thank him, thank God for what he's going to take them through and to so that they can see how gracious and loving he is. And that's something that no one can take away from you. And that, that, that's the foundation of where our faith can go as we leave that legacy. 
Yeah, exactly right. And, and that's the lived example, the lived legacy. So it's not just a legacy of you know, something that's on paper. Yeah. It's a legacy of love. It's a legacy of covenant. It's a legacy of communion. It's a legacy of lived example and witness. That's what's so powerful uh, mm. about what we pass on in the faith. You know, again, that, that spiritual uh, vulnerability, that, that spiritual wealth. Yep. It continues in verse 5. It goes well for the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Because we're so tempted in this culture to take shortcuts, right? To, to, to focus on things that what's best for me. And if the other person... You know, if, if they lose out, well, too bad. No, it should always be win-win, right? What, how can I make a gift of myself to this other person? That's what, how we should be conducting our affairs as businesses, as people of faith. He conducts his affairs with justice. He will never be moved. Forever shall the just be remembered. And that's what happens with the saints. Hmm. That's why the, the, the lives of the saints are so powerful. They are witnesses to us of of the legacy that God has given to them and that they have passed on to us. So we have this beautiful lived witness and example because where they are, we all hope to be one day. That's the the whole point. Mm. And and, and by following their example, we draw strength in our own struggles in our own day. But, But the just shall be remembered. That's why we remember the saints. He has no fear of evil news. It continues in verse 7. With a firm heart, he trusts in the Lord. No fear of evil news. See, nothing that this culture throws at us we should be afraid of. Yes, it may seem overwhelming like a juggernaut, but we should not be afraid. With a firm heart, the, the psalm says, he trusts in the Lord. Not in political outcomes, not in elections, not in laws, in God's in God's love, in God's trust, with a steadfast heart, he will not fear. He will see the downfall of his foes, right? So, so ultimately, those who live in God's love, we are the ones that are going to triumph. And what's the triumph? Heaven. Remember, people who are only seeking glory in this life, Jesus says they have already received their reward. So don't worry about people who are getting all the accolades and getting all the praise and all the glory and all the recognition. Now, that doesn't matter. Sic transit gloria mundi, Cicero once said, so passes the glory of the world. That's all going to go. Where we're going to be forever and ever is with God in heaven. That's what matters. Uh, Everything that happens in this life is fleeting. Right. So again, we will see the downfall of our foes. At, when Christ comes back at the end of time to reclaim his kingdom for the Father, uh, that's when we separate the sheep and the goats. And then all of those who believe they got the reward in this life, oh, yeah, they're, they're, and that's all they're going to have is what they got in this life. In uh, open-handed, he gives to the poor. His justice stands firm forever. His might shall be exalted in glory. The wicked season is angry, grinds his teeth and fades away. The desire of the wicked leads to doom. Huh? So if we think and act like the culture, we do it to our own detriment. We should, as St. Paul says, put on the mind of Christ, right? Because the wicked is going to see what God is doing for us. And instead of, instead of uh, uh, coming to the Lord, instead of the conversion, 
instead of opening their hearts to receive everything the Lord wants to give them, what are they going to do? They're going to whine and complain and, 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 and you, know, you know, forget that. But the goal is to bring them into deeper intimacy with the Lord. So Psalm 112 in book five of the Psalms. So when we come back, we're going to take a look at biblical manhood, manhood from the Bible by looking at some of the great figures of the Old Testament. Love for you to be part of the conversation. Give us a call, 833-288-3986. host deacon harold burke sivers our topic today is biblical manhood and our show team is on the case our social media expert charles beery our call screener matt kabinsky and ace mckay is in the place looking forward to uh tomorrow as uh, we head into ash wednesday because ewtn open line has father mitch Paqua answering your questions so make sure you check that out at three eastern just before beacon of truth here on ewtn radio all right, and if you want to be part of the conversation, call us at 833-288-3986 or email us a beacon with a B at EWTN.com. And so before I, we dive into biblical manhood, I want to uh, take a call from Steve who's watching on YouTube. Uh, he's watching from, uh, from California. And Steve, welcome to Beacon of Truth. Hello, guys. Um... Thank you, Ace and uh, Deacon, for what you bring. For your, I love what you bring to the Catholic Church, Deacon. Your love of Jesus and the way you bring your manhood to the Church, the way you uh, challenge men, the way you call us to a higher being of manhood, not just as treating women as sexual objects, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about biblical manhood and I, and I and I thank God for you guys and I and I'm really glad you started this series. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Again, this is something this a topic of male spirituality we're going to be returning to. We're going to do a special we're going to do a show on fatherhood for example and but right now I just want to dive into kind of the foundation biblical manhood. So it starts in Genesis chapter 2:15. So it said the Lord took the man and the word there in Hebrew is Adam and in fact, Ha-Adam means the man. So one singular man put him in the Garden of Eden to till and to keep it. So the word for till is abad in Hebrew, which means work that's in the form of service. And to keep is shamar, means to protect and defend, to guard, protect, and defend. So what's God doing here? God is laying the foundation from male spirituality, authentic male spirituality. He put the man in the garden. He, in other words, he put him over his creation, his earthly creation. And he said, your job, your mission, your calling, your vocation, your purpose is to serve, protect, and defend everything I am entrusting to you. That's it. So, so that is the same mission. That mission has not changed since page two of the Bible back in the garden, our job as authentic men of God living in authentic Catholic male spirituality is to serve, protect, and defend our families, the culture, and the church. 
right? That's, that's our job. And, and Satan has one play in his playbook to destroy that relationship, right? Question God's authority. You don't need God because you're your own God. All these things to knock us off our course, off our objective, uh, uh, off our mission that God has given us as men to stand strong in the face of the culture. The problem is we become too effeminized today. We, 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 we've, sit, we've just taken a back seat and letting this culture run roughshod over us. That was the problem of Adam. He stood there. When it came time to protect and defend his family, uh, and, we, and we will t- uh, talk about feminine spirituality on another show, um, but when it came time for him to serve, protect, and defend his family, when Satan was all up on his wife, he stood there and said and did nothing. And what were the effects of that? Genesis 3-7, they knew they were naked. So they no longer see each other the way God sees them. They now look at each other uh, as objects for pleasure and gratification, right? In Genesis 3, 8, the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God because the, the, the embarrassment and shame of going against God's will caused us to hide from God, to hide from God's presence, right? But look, there's nowhere we can hide from God ever, ever. Right, but but they they tried to hide themselves from the presence of the Lord because they were embarrassed and ashamed. And what happens in Genesis three ten? Uh, the man says, "I was afraid." Ah, there we have it. Because what what happens? The the love and the trust of God is replaced with fear. Right, and what does he do? He blames his wife, the woman who you gave to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate it. See, Lord, I was all cool by myself. Then all of a sudden, that woman who you put here. I was doing pretty good. Then you put her here. She made me. What happened to bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, right? You, 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 are, you are very part of myself. What happened to that? Oh, that goes all out the window with sin. And in um, Genesis 3.16, uh, you know, your desire shall be for your husband. He shall rule over you. And the word for rule over is malshal in Hebrew, which means to, to dominate, Right? So the fact that a man dominates his wife, he's not, that's, not, that's not biblical. That is a sad and tragic effect of original sin. So, no, so we have to return to this foundation that God has called us to as men. Well, and I think what you're saying, too, also ties into what we were talking about yesterday. You know, when we disappoint our parents, we worry, you know, about them finding out about something. So we try to cover it up. Right. And like you're saying today that, you know, God sees all things. He's aware of the things in our life. But you touched on it a little bit earlier. I would love to hear a little more expounding from the standpoint of freedom in Christ. Like the reason that we run from him is because we don't truly understand that freedom. Like to to, to ask him over the next 40 days to cut soul ties from people, places, and things that are keeping us from being attached to him. Like that, to me, that's the beginning of a Lenten season of, of being free in Christ. That's the only way to find peace. How, how do we begin that journey? Yeah. So authentic freedom in Christ is rooted in the obedience of faith, right? Jesus says in John's gospel, I've not come to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. So uh, authentic freedom in Christ is when your will, your wants, your needs, your hopes, your desires, your dreams, your will is in communion and is one with God's will. Your will and God's will are one. Mm. Now you are truly free. 
That's authentic freedom. Why? Because now you are totally free to become the person who God created you to be. That's the whole goal. That's the whole purpose. To find your vocation, your calling, your mission, and to live that out in the freedom of God, to live that out in, in deep, intimate union and covenant relationship with Christ. That's what the sacraments, the grace of the sacraments help us to strengthen us, to be able to live that, especially in the face of this culture today. So freedom in the culture actually leads to slavery because we become, we become a slave to our passions, to our in, in or, uh, inordinate desires, right? To the disorders that lead us away from intimacy with God. And the culture thinks that that's freedom. That's not freedom at all. That's slavery. But right. it's, it's Christ. Christ on the cross frees us to be able to love. That, that's the beautiful part of it. You know, a, a, another biblical figure is David. You know, <laughs> here's the thing, men. Men of God, please take solace, especially as we enter into this Lenten season. Acts chapter 13, verse 22 says, David is a man after God's own heart. Right? And we see in 2 Samuel, um, uh, when, when God comes to the house of Jesse to anoint the new king, uh, Samuel, Jesse doesn't even consider bringing David in as one of the people to put before Samuel, you know, Um, but what God looked at, not his outward appearance, the Lord looked at his heart. And even though David had the heart of a king and God chose him specifically, and it says after he was anointed by Samuel, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God rushed upon David from that day forward. Again, that's a precursor looking forward to the sacrament of confirmation. So even after all of that, look what David did. Bathsheba. Come on, man. See, what happened was, man, David got lazy. Remember, how did David get his fame? He killed Goliath. And then he went out on every military campaign. He went out. He won and won decisively. This time, he got a little bit lazy. You know, I'm just going to hang up the castle. I'm going to let everybody else go out there and fight. And he got lazy. And what happened when he got lazy? You know, he, 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 he lost that, 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 a certain connection with the Lord in that laziness. And so he looked out. He saw Bathsheba. He, he, you know, he, he wanted her even though he knew she was married and had an affair with her. She got pregnant. And, uh, he, uh, and he had the husband killed. So he was an adulterer and a murderer. But yet, he reaches out for God's mercy. We see in 2 Samuel, in, um, uh, when the prophet Nathan comes to him, uh, God forgives his sin, right? So men, you know, this, use this time of Lent to draw closer to the Lord through the sacrament of reconciliation. Because you have to ask yourself, man of God, what does God see when he looks at you? What, what the, when he looks at your heart, What does God see? Can he see his reflection in you, in your life, in your, can God see himself, his reflection in your heart? And if he can't, then we got work to do. That's what these 40 days are about. Put that work in so you can truly become a man after God's own heart yourself. Beautiful. Then we have Solomon, David's son. He takes over in first Kings chapter three, David dies and Solomon takes his place. And, uh, and Solomon was the wisest king in the history of Israel. Why? Because the Lord came to him and he said, I'll give you whatever you want. Now, I mean, this guy's a teenager. Imagine today if God said, I'll give you whatever you want. And you're a teenager. What would you ask for? <laughs> right? So, but, but Solomon, what does he say? Look, 
you have given me this incredible responsibility. I'm, I'm paraphrasing um, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 5. You've given me this great responsibility uh, and, 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 you know, uh, after my father David uh, in faithfulness and, and, and righteousness. Um, you know, all I want is to, is to follow you, Lord. Right. You have made me king in place of my father. But I, I, I'm a youth. I don't know how to go in or come out. So give me chokmah, chokmah in Hebrew. Give me wisdom and understanding mind that I may be able to discern good from bad, right from wrong. Right. Uh, uh, and, and give me that ability to be able to judge and discern so that I can govern your people in holiness and justice. Wow. That's awesome. See, these, if the Lord came and said, what would you want? These are the kinds of things. Lord, I want to serve you and to be able to use me as your instrument to be a witness of your love to the world. That's basically what Solomon asked for. And God said, it pleased God. And God said, look, yes, I'm going to give you that, but I'm also going to give you what you didn't ask for. Because when we submit ourselves completely to God's holy will, he will give us more than we ask for or imagine. Not because we deserve it, but because we're faithful. And God wants to use us as a witness. And, and, and following God's will will allow that witness to happen because he's working in and through us. Well, and I think, too, I know I've had to go through this the hard way, unfortunately. But to bounce my thoughts and bounce my eyes was such a huge part because for years, I mean, to be completely transparent— I was a womanizer. I was that I was that guy. It was every stereotypical reason why women don't like men. I was that guy. And I grew up in the church and I knew how I was supposed to be, but I didn't let myself. I didn't, you know, every good looking woman that walked by, I looked every past thought. I let it entertain. And we can't do that as men. If we're going to be the men God have called us to be, we have to bounce our thoughts, bounce our eyes. And as you have said on this show numerous times already of looking at women the way God sees them. Exactly. Looking at him through God's eyes, mm. seeing what God sees when he looks at them. That, that's really what's, what it's about. Beautiful. Then we, then we turn to Joshua. So Joshua, of course, took over uh, from Moses. Uh, Moses was a, a, a faithful man of God, um, but, was be, be, but was not allowed to cross over to bring the people into the promised land. Um, because he did not follow the Lord's instruction. And so Joshua is the one that takes over. So, of course, Joshua feels this huge responsibility that God has given him. And he, he, may, he may be even feeling a little bit overwhelmed. So in the beginning, God gives him confidence. This is the same confidence that he gives us, uh, men of God. Uh, he says, yes, Moses, my servant, uh, is now dead. I am now giving you what I gave to Moses. Um, he said, and he says, uh, uh, go down and lead this people into the land that I promised them, that I promised them and, and their fathers. Um, and don't worry, I'm going to be with you. And so because there's no superlative words in, in, in Semitic language, like Hebrew and Aramaic, like words like the greatest, the best, the most, one of the ways that they wanted to get something across that was really important, they said it three times. So we see it says three times here in Joshua chapter one, when the Lord speaks to him, look, I'm going to lead you. It looks like a huge responsibility. Verse seven, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according all to the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Right. And then it says again, um, 
uh, follow the book of the law. But again, be uh, strong and of good courage in verse 9. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And one more time, do not be afraid because the Lord the, uh, your God is with you. It says it three times. So that should be a, a boon to us, men, to not be afraid to follow God's will wherever God's will is leading because he is always with us. It doesn't matter how we feel in the moment. We must have confidence that if we believe we are truly doing God's will, following God's will, not, not selfish motives, not because I want to do it, but we think that God is working in and through us, then he will be with us. And then we see the very last chapter in, in uh, Joshua 24, when Joshua is, is nearing death. And he says in verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord. Again, honor, reverence, respect. Serve him uh, in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods which your father served. So don't go and worship these other gods of the culture that we're seeing a lot of that now in our own culture today. Um, he says, choose whom you will serve. Choose whom you will serve. And what does he say? The famous line, but for, as, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So as husbands and fathers leading our, our families, our priests, our parishes, fathers of families in the parishes, are we truly leading our uh, families to heaven? As for me and my house, we will not serve the, 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 the culture of death. We will not serve uh, uh, the whims of the culture. We will not serve cultural constructs. We will be faithful and serve the Lord in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. Um, so, you know, God has really given us uh, uh, an, an awesome blessing. So uh, we got Charlie driving through Indiana. <laughs> so, Charlie, uh, yeah, your comment for us here on Beacon of Truth. Uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I'm driving from St. Louis, Dayton, Ohio. U.S. Air Force moved back from Italy, and, you know, I was driving through with the AFC 9.1 and brought stuff about man is the old test. A uh, little shout-out to an X-90. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. Um, but if you could speak a little bit more towards uh, Moses and how he was passed by God and kind of that the initial steps he had to go through before, you know, Aaron became his mouth and he led people out of Egypt, which in a way symbolizes our own pharaohs, our own, like, this. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, thank you, Charlie. And also, thank you for your service. Uh, uh, to our country in, in the military. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about Moses for a second. So we know the story of Moses. Uh, Moses was born during the time of the persecution of the, uh, the innocent males um, when uh, Pharaoh was getting jealous because the Israelites were outnumbering them and he was afraid that they were going to, if someone attacked Egypt, that the Israelites were going to take the side of the attackers and then overwhelm um, uh, overwhelm uh, the, the, the Egyptians. So what he did at first, he put him into like servitude. And when that didn't work, then he put him into full out slavery. Uh, and their numbers continued to grow. They continued to thrive and multiply because they're relying on, on, on God. God is going to sustain them even in difficult times of trial. So then, again, as a precursor to the, 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 the killing of the holy innocents, when Jesus was a baby, um, he starts killing all the male children. 
right? He, it, drowning them in the river. So he tells all the midwives to take the, the male tr- children and drown them. So, um, uh, so when Moses is born, they, they just don't have the heart to do it. So they put him in a basket and they float him down the river. And uh, Pharaoh's daughter's there with her retuin uh, uh, there by the river. They see, they hear a baby crying. They go see the basket. Who, who is this? This is a, 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 an Israelite child. And so they ask that his mother actually is the one that's called upon to actually nurse her own child on behalf of the, of the daughter. So he's raised as an Egyptian. Uh, but he sees the plight of his people. And then he, uh, he has this confrontation. He kills one of the, the men, one of the, the Egyptians that were put in charge of uh, one of the overseers uh, for, for the, the, the slaves, uh, the Egyptian, uh, for the Israelite slaves. And so he thought he got away with it, but someone saw him. And he goes, uh-oh, word's going to get around that, you know, that, that what happened. So what happens? He goes out into the desert. He, run, he runs away. He flees. So he's out there. Um, you know, he comes across a well, he sees the shepherds driving these women away. They're trying to get water. He comes to their aid and helps them. Um, the, the father brings into his house and he ends up marrying one of the the daughters and he's living this life, you know, as, as a shepherd and, and doing his thing. And he, and he's out there in the pasture and he sees the burning bush. He goes, this is interesting. The book, the bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. I have to get closer and see this thing. So he walks over there. And the voice comes out of the flames. Take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And the Lord begins to speak to Moses. Look, Moses, here's what I got for you. I need you to go to Pharaoh to ask for the release of my people. And Pharaoh's like, and, and, and Moses like, wait a minute. Um, wait, this, 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 wait, hold on, Lord. There's another dude called Moses. I think it's the one in the next town over you because you certainly don't mean me. Right? <laughs> and he tried to give him all these excuses why he shouldn't be the one that God uses. Well, you know, uh, 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 me, Lord, I, uh, I can't speak. And this, don't worry, I'll give, I'll give you Aaron. You know, Aaron will, will help you with your speech. Don't worry about that. Well, uh, 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 Lord, um, how about, uh, I don't know what to call you. What if people say, well, who sent you? What am I supposed to say? And then that's when the God gives him his name. I am who I am. Tell them I am sent you, you know? And so it took him a while to get the courage. But then he, was, he followed God's word, even though it was scary, even though it was nervous. He had the courage to follow God. He goes before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh basically laughs in his face like, really, dude? <laughs> you want me to do what? And then, of course, God then begins the, the different plagues, and each of those plagues are designed to, to, to show God's authority and power over one of the Egyptian gods. Right. So God does it as a process. And so, yeah, Moses was faithful, but he wasn't completely faithful. Just look, see, this is the thing. We're not perfect. Just like David, Moses. Right. So Moses, the second time he he, he struck the rock with the staff and water started to flow. The second time, Lord said, speak to the rock and let the water flow. And Moses said, well, you know what? I I hit the rock the first time it worked. I'm going to do it this time. So he disregarded what God told him to do and did it the way that he wanted to do it. Right. So. So, yes, he was a, a strong man of God. Um, he led the people uh, through through the, the, the 40 years in the desert. Um, he, he was an awesome, but he wasn't perfect. Right. None of us are. And we should take courage from these biblical men who God used for his glory, even though they weren't perfect. And the same is true for us. We just have to have the courage 
to, to, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. If you are be my disciple, Jesus says, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. That's what these great men of the, well, not Adam, but that's what these other great men of the Bible did. They made mistakes, but they, for the, for the most part, they follow God in his, in his law and they were faithful. And obviously because of time, we're not going to get to all the biblical figures uh, of the Old Testament. These were the main ones that I wanted to get to uh, so that, that, that we men have courage, especially we enter this season of Lent, to put aside the fear, to put aside the doubt, and have, the, and, and have the courage to be able to follow God. And I love that you point out that these were flawed men. Because I know when I was a kid, these men were seen as godly and great, and we should look to their example. And we were all looking to their accomplishments, not their failures. Yeah, exactly. You know, one of the things, if, you know, if I was a young business executive, you know, and I'm entering into the business world, you know, what's the temptation? Oh, I want to, uh, I want to uh, find out who your connections are. I want to find out how you became so successful, became a millionaire. I want to, to know what uh, uh, financial planning that you have. Mm-hmm. You know what? That's not what I want to know. You know, if it was me and, I, and I'm in front of a person like that, I would say, look, I'm entering into this field. How did you manage the work-life balance? How are you able to maintain your marriage? How is it that you're not divorced? How, what, what were your priorities? How did you balance you know, your, your, your relationship with God, your family, and your business? Yep. That's what I want to know, right? Because yeah. th- ultimately, that's the stuff. It's not about the material things. It's about, the, okay, God has given you this gift. How are you going to use this gift to honor and glorify him? And by going to other men who are just as flawed as we are, Right, yeah. we can have courage to say, "Look, yes, I made mistakes, but here's how I overcame them, and it's only because of God." Now, tomorrow is Wednesday, so we typically do Word of God Wednesday, but because it is Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day, we're gonna do a special show talking about love. Right, so and we're gonna move Word of God Wednesday to Thursday this week, only because of uh, what's happening uh, with Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. So don't forget, you can stream today's show. Visit Podcast Central at EW10.com slash radio. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. See you tomorrow.